Welcome to Business Lines State of the Economy podcast where you will find insight analysis and the story behind the numbers Welcome listeners to the State of the Economy podcast from Business Line and this is the personal finance edition of the podcast My name is Aarti Krishnan and I'm a consulting editor with Business Line Today we are very happy to have with us Mr Sham Shekhar who's the chief ideator and founder of I Thought Advisory Services and also a very successful individual investor in his own right it is a coincidence that today we are talking about stock market investing and long term investing at a time when the sensex and the nifty have hit new milestones so uh, the sensex is at 64000 nifty at 19000 and usually we in the media get quite excited about such milestones but as a long term investor if you look at the sensex or the nifty graph over the last 30 years it's just been up and up so should investors really get worked up about such milestones at all sham if you are investing for very long term goals if you are investing towards very specific purposes if you are investing in companies based on very clear expectations uh, then your investment gestation should not be distracted by what happens to the nifty or sensex you must go on the individual investment merits naturally some of them will change because if you are invested in the constituents of the nifty or the sensex yeah then there will be a direct consequence if uh, these companies are contributing to their rise and if they are very significant contributors to the rise the individual companies may end up becoming a little bit overvalued and demonstrate more froth than you should tolerate right. in such situations maybe you should respond by taking some capital out and allowing the rest of your investment to run or taking all the capital out if you feel the froth has run too far right. so that relative judgment is very very stock specific right and still cannot be index centric right. even if the company is in the nifty or sensex okay. if it is outside that then i think your investment responses must be extremely company and sector centric and valuation centric on days like this uh, you should not take your perspective of the nifty into some small cap company or into right. a sector which is yet to really take wings so that that distinction must be made so today when you do look at the markets there are several large cap names or mid cap companies which you always wanted to own these are fairly expensive if you see and even in my portfolio i saw a few stocks hitting their life highs and i was wondering what so the dilemma for retail investors in such situations is now if i let this run will i lose all my gains because later the market may fall for some reason or should i if i take out profits too early then i find that i have invested in stocks with a long term perspective but i have lost this opportunity i mean that is a mistake that i make quite often like getting out too early because i am afraid of losing my gains so some people follow approaches like you take out your cost and keep the profit but that is not really a solution actually because you are still invested right so how should investors deal with such situations and as a professional portfolio manager how do you actually over the years i have been continuously tuning myself personally and professionally to take fewer decisions first to not interrupt mm. the investment journeys in individual stocks simply because sentiment or overall market valuations are Uh, intimidating so i would uh, always go by the individual stock merit i would 
measure what that stock would give as a return if i invest in it today if it is still going to give me lesser returns i will just allow it to run because uh, if the company exceeds my expectations then if i respond in haste today and exit or book profit or do whatever short term technique <laughs> i would look silly in the long run many of the ideas which i invest in are thematically chosen and sometimes the teams gather momentum after a few years in that industry in that right. space right so being very tight fisted in what valuation i want to give for an individual company will be counterproductive in the style of investing that i practice so i give myself a little slack yeah. but at the same time i am not going to be too lax and lethargic in every investment portfolio some circumstances change some companies don't act the way you originally hypothesize or expect them to but the market still continues to give them a lot of license and rope mm-hmm. so the valuations run up with the overall market sentiment in such instances i am inclined to sell but there would be exceptions rather than a rule see we have come out of a very difficult economic phase between 2020 and 2023 we first shrank our economy and now we have just gone a little above regaining that original okay. size that's where we stand today my sense is that we are a far more efficient economy today than we were in 2020 mm. we are a far more actively formalizing economy today than we were in 2020 we are a far more digitized economy than we were in 2020 Mm-hmm. and we are a far more equity centric economy than we were in 2020 so all these factors have naturally created some froth in the equity market especially in spaces where people want to participate more you mentioned midcap midcap is one such right. space see there are two things that happened in midcap the very definition of midcap became 150 companies yeah. i think this is not a well thought through definition in fact as an investor if you ask me what is the most disappointing thing that i have seen in my experience mm. it is the restriction of this definition right. it stands no investment logic mm. so i think that this definition has to change because the change in this definition will certainly broad base our market we need to have mid caps based on market cap we cannot have it based on ranking so this is not an iit entrance exam or an ias yes this is based on a qualification criteria now you don't have a qualification criteria you just said ranking shall prevail so i think that the moment we move our definition of what category is large cap what is the contour of the large cap category or the super large cap category what is the category contribution or the contour of the large cap the mid cap and then the small cap then we are going to have a far more broad based market in the event of this happening i presume it will but whenever it happens i believe that uh, we will have a more stable equity investment universe today it's a very unstable equity investment universe so in an unstable universe some parts of the market become risky today i think mid cap is a risky space and you had also voiced your perception about individual investments that you are participating in i believe the mid cap space is extremely frothy and i blame whoever made this categorization if they had allowed a category creation based on valuation this would have been a far more stable mm-hmm. bigger ecosystem which can take in more capital 
and allow investors to travel at more well discovered valuation with more or with better discovered valuations now we have denied ourselves this by this categorization and uh, so wherever you have this froth i think one should take your money off the table because when the categorization reset happens valuation will run down i would attribute the small cap crash of 2018 to 2021 largely to this categorization, categorization so yes. it, it impacted here in the wrong yeah, place yes. you see the negative side but there is a positive side that has happened in mid cap both did not pass the test of sound investment logic or reason so if you are over invested in mid cap i think that you should move to a space which is more valuation friendly that space is the large cap space unfortunately you can't move down <laughs> see that's another problem because i think in india the number of people who have come into the investment market in the last 4 years is more than the number of people who came in decades before that that's a very positive thing but the problem is that we have a happy situation or rather a, the happy problem is that so many people want to participate in emerging companies in companies which are having a long runway of growth and they are all fishing in the same pond of mid cap small cap and micro cap and we have a restricted mid cap and we have kept small cap open ended correct nobody knows the lines between small cap and micro cap today there is no categorical distinction in the absence of that there is a lot of confusion there and that money which is there in small and mid cap has raised the valuations too much let me tell you why you have a 15000 crore sip book it is the duty of regulation to tell us how much of this sip book is going into large cap how much is going into small cap how much into mid cap and how much into hybrid i think it's the basic transparency requirement of this market we don't have it the moment you have this data you will be surprised to see how much money is going into small cap this excess capital going into small cap at a pace which small cap cannot handle the category is not well discovered is leading to a valuation distortion and uh, so you cannot move down from mid cap to small cap you can only move up to large cap that is where you can invest or you can go thematically into some sectors where the which are still will give more growth than we anticipate like right. energy right. power when i say energy i mean power or uh, the digital space which i think is going to surprise positively uh, public infrastructure the digital ecosystem data everything the entire suite of uh, services and products which are going to create the future digital public infrastructure for india which is unique globally because you have digital infrastructure globally but you don't have digital public infrastructure globally True. i think that uh, so there are some spots of uh, opportunity like that but outside of that you cannot take a categorical view of any specific category like small mid micro cap you can take a reasonable categorical view of large cap because you can continue to invest in always you know correct any valuation mistakes you can make at 19000 but in the other spaces you cannot correct it so in the other spaces you must be extremely bottom up and stock specific right. you must be tight fisted in the valuation you pay and you must be very very watchful of to what extent the froth can run in a owned investment in what you already own right. as long as the froth is within that range and tolerance which you think you can bear for a longer term you can allow the investment to run only when it becomes beyond what you can tolerate then you force yourself to sell and while buying you show patience and be very very bottom up and stock specific in the positions that you create from here right. so this is 
broadly how you can view this market right. and what right. you can do from an opportunity right. seeking point of view from what you said i mean uh, it is true that uh, many small caps and micro caps in india don't have this absorption capacity yet today large numbers of hnis and private investors plus mutual funds etc pms everybody is chasing this segment during market highs like this does it really make sense for a retail investor to enter this segment i mean as an additional allocation okay but should a person enter this segment today or should they wait for a fairly steep correction when all small caps and micro caps are crashing like anything and in those periods actually they fall without a bottom because there is exit and liquidity withdrawal etc so i mean is there a timing element to this actually to there is uh, a timing element but i will define how this timing element should be okay. handled because that is what the small investor may want to hear first if you want to own small caps over the next 5 years yeah you can probably make a small beginning with mm-hmm. a very small sip what i see today is people putting all the sip in yeah. small cap i will not do this so i will probably put a very small sip you can call it the test sip right and then start tracking the sector the valuations understanding the companies which my fund manager is owning or i am right. owning directly uh, understanding what would be the ideal valuation whether the company is performing in its business to justify the valuation which we are all giving that company and i will acclimatize myself with that space for a while mm-hmm. it could be 6 months to a year or even longer and as the valuation comes within my zone i will step my sip up one notch and then when it becomes more attractive i will step it up one more notch okay. so i would have actually built my base sip position itself only when the valuations are coming into a fair zone of valuation and then when the valuation moves into an attractive zone of valuation i will do my lump sums okay only if i do like this can i succeed in sip investing i can see a lot of people showing five year returns in sip and then saying that it's great well good luck to you <laughs> the past performance has no yes. correlation to the future yeah. uh, that's not how you should uh, measure sips so i would be very skeptical of uh, people taking all their money into sip saying that that's the highest return because when you look at five year return it look very very good but that is also due to the kind of liquidity that we have put in exactly and not because people have conviction today yeah. no fund manager has a compulsion to sell a small cap there is True. no redemption he is continuously getting money and when i say fund manager i am not differentiating between a equity pms and a mutual fund and then over and above this you have started uh, popularizing the etf culture in these spaces true true so there is too much of idiot money <laughs> that is forcing people not to sell correct so when you move people away from selling it's further distorting the valuation because of the sustained buy mm. now all this can change if somebody has to sell and you will notice that the managements of these companies are selling you are seeing exactly lock deals raining all over yes. all around us so the people who want to sell are getting a beautiful exit yeah that was something i wanted to ask also i've seen a few pe exits and in fact pe's who have been invested for a very long time in some of these listed companies they are exiting promoter selling is there a lot of big deals are happening so is that not a sign of a, a, a sort of valuation top for some i certainly think that uh, large investors are taking advantage of the frothy valuations and uh, retail investors are buying indirectly from them mm. by subscribing to mutual funds continuously mm. and the mutual funds are only absorbing these lots 
in some cases like in tim can the management has come and sold which is like mm. a very very strong signal but the market is not willing to take cues yeah even after that sale the stock price again yeah it goes up. up again again it is in my opinion irrational institutional behavior it's not irrational retail behavior mm. which is the warning bell for uh, investors i think that when a mutual fund buys a lot and then the same day the price goes up you can't call it the hand of god taking stock price valuation <laughs> there is something else there is more to it than meets the eye right. unfortunately we as a society as a complete ecosystem are giving more license to institutions and uh, they are also uh, getting more flows than they can handle in spaces like uh, small cap and this money is what is giving the exits to all these large uh, sellers i would think that uh, the odds of this institutional buyer like a mutual fund doing better than a institutional seller like a venture capitalist private equity mm. promoter in a face off is very unlikely i think the odds are very yeah. low yeah that is my past experience so whenever the flows reverse i think uh, it will yeah. be a lot of bloodletting can potentially happen and i think that when you have this kind of frothy valuation and then big deals at that point in time you are setting yourself up for something bad a uh, few years down the road that's what i sense Uh, yeah. many people can call us old fashion but cycle after cycle it has happened and i don't see any reason why this time it should be different do you think this time a bit of the bubble is also happening in the private markets we are seeing these uh, large uh, cases of startups without business models actually uh, struggling to get money and certainly there is a funding winter globally and this era of free money free liquidity is coming to an end so this bubble in the private markets will that actually also affect the public market itself actually that bubble has burst there is a bigger bubble in public market than in private markets okay that bubble has burst because uh, somebody wants to sell in private markets mm. the buyer is more ruthless today okay. than if somebody wants to sell in public markets that is why you had these uh, ipos in the zomatos and correct, correct, well, correct. because the private market was not supporting okay. even mobikit tried to do any ipo because the ipo is at a higher valuation whereas when they have to do around it's difficult Correct. so i think that uh, private markets are uh, far less licentious than public markets okay. and so they adjust very quickly to global realities i they will adjust far more quickly you would have seen that uh, the investor in uh, byju's has uh, you know they have uh, adjusted the valuation rather yeah. return of the valuation yeah, of 5 billion from yes. the peak valuation of 22 billion True. now you will see a spate of write downs now in private markets so whoever wants to sell is trying to do a very quick ipo listing all that is happening right i think the public market investor must be far more cautious now in yes. these kind of companies especially right. uh, offers for sale you can't have a 10x increase in the valuation of a company yeah in one year. year absolutely and the sellers are all private equity investors i think that uh, it's like you are going into a situation where you knowingly set yourself for something very scary so uh, many individual investors the last four or five years have been fairly easy to make money in the stock markets i would say i mean maybe the last one year has been a little more difficult but the period before that it was every stock from the covid low was going up 3x 4x and therefore this has given retail investors the impression that uh, direct investing is quite easy and uh, this has led to the popularity of both retail investors directly investing in stocks doing sips and things like that and also taking to small cases 
So how do small cases and direct investing compare to a PMS, which you, you also manage a micro cap. I know that you have the PMS, which is a small cap. An investor coming directly to the market should know some basic portfolio construction, some bit of equity research, and uh, how to manage the risk in a portfolio. Somebody who doesn't know this then makes a choice of going to an organized form of advice or management. Now, small case is neither advice nor management. It's only analysis. Most of the small case guys are under RIA. Very few are under advice. True. And uh, the kind of standardization which they are trying to achieve by giving model portfolios and all that in illiquid stocks makes it a investment model of very high impact cost. When you mm. buy itself, your price goes up. Right. So then a guy who comes next day, if he buys, it will go up further. The guy who bought one month back thinks he's a genius because in one month he has made a lot of money. And the guy who's running the small case thing will always go and keep projecting that he's a wizard. Now, all this is because of how this whole model is run. So, it's structurally a very, very risky way of investing. Okay, the, thesis was that, the thesis was that this ticket size for PMF and AI is very high. So, this allows you to buy into the portfolios of big managers and things like that, right? So, so let me explain this. Now, I have a PMS. Now, I don't discuss my stock ideas anywhere. I am true to the interest of my clients. They have come to us. We are buying stocks for them, maintaining a portfolio. And only they get disclosures. So I don't go to television. I don't send out model portfolio. I don't market uh, by giving my portfolio. Now assume that I also run a small case on the side. I'm giving you a scenario. What happens is when I buy the same stocks, I am careful about the price of every stock I buy. Mm -hmm. Now when I give this in small case and some 5,000 people sign up, what happens is they by by just clicking it's click click and buy so the yeah. stock will be bought immediately at the market price market everything. price yes so if my portfolio has got illiquid stocks which it will then if mm. a few thousand people who are my customers in small case buy it then it makes huge impact cost for them I I and more importantly for my pms customers but how the market is seeing it today is that Mm. They're saying this impact cost has returns and more people are subscribing mm. to both. I wouldn't want to be a part of such this, activity this because I know the consequence. Okay. Yeah. I wouldn't mm. want to be a part of this and this is the consequence. Right. And right. if this consequence is not seen as important for investor interest, I let society take its own yeah. decisions which are in its interest. But I would not think that this is in the interest of the PMS. If, right. I believe that uh, if you are doing a PMS, you should be true to that. Yeah. By going and saying that I am serving a smaller investor, actually, I think uh, we are creating very perverse consequences to both sections. And you may still be building a position. Why would you want to actually disclose it? In no, the all that. Everything will become high impact cost, I'm telling you. Mm. So it's very good for asset gathering, but it is not good for uh, investor uh, uh, returns. And returns. Yeah. It's not good. So final question, Sham. So you've been an individual investor and a very successful one with a very large portfolio. So from usually money managers and wealth managers, they start their career as analysts and they learn using other people's money, right? So they, uh, and they earn a lot of wealth and then they manage their private money. In your case, it has been the opposite journey where you've been a private investor. You actually seen a lot of success with stock market investing and later you founded a firm which manages other people. So 
what difference do you find between managing your own portfolio and other people's money and which is more difficult actually i think managing money of others is always more difficult because uh, it's uh, a fiduciary responsibility it's a responsibility where more people place their fiduciary trust in you so as you grow the challenges increase uh, the amount of money that you need to manage increases mm. the number of people whose life your decisions touch increases mm. and uh, the need to keep so many people safe on their investment journey is paramount yeah it's not like an individual investor saying that okay i put my money on this if it fails i am okay with yeah, it yeah true no there have been a lot of people who used to say that put only what in the money in the stock market that you can lose you know we have mm-hmm. heard all these theories <laughs> we are not catering to that society anymore right we are catering to a more uh, aspirant aspiring society right. aspirational uh, audience who have earned their success in their life and who are bringing their money to this uh, area to equity or oh. debt so as a manager our responsibility today is far more than what it was 10 20 years ago and uh, we are also needing to build a team a culture that will serve that responsibility correctly for a very long time to come so that is the most challenging part but the rewarding part is that earlier i had to create my own portfolio which I, only i manage i am the largest investor in two of our, my pms products in solitaire and riddhi i am the largest investor Okay. and over time i will be the largest investor in more products because uh, i want to create a professionally managed uh, advised portfolio approach so so by doing that i think that uh, progressively i will be able to increase my skin in the game and that in turn will also act as a protection for all the investors who are traveling along with me so that is broadly what uh, is the difference between being an individual investor and uh, being a investor in um, being a manager professional manager outside of that a lot of my individual investing today is in enterprises which are not even listed there i am using my experience as an investor to help companies grow to help them uh, monetize themselves rightly and to also make them live up to the expectation of the market over the long term so you are mentoring them basically to an extent it's a very rich word but mm-hmm. i would say i am participating in their journey and trying to contribute right so that is one thing which i am doing more in my personal capacity i do have a few investments uh, which i am carrying from the past which i am holding there are some investments which i cannot buy for others which are very very risky which right. i can not buy in a public market portfolio but increasingly the bulk of my portfolio will also need to be invested in such investments <laughs> which are moderate risk over a period of time i expect that my personal investing will slowly reduce in public markets and more of this uh, public market investing will serve my personal needs also so in right. that sense uh, i thought sits in the middle of what i need in the future right thank you so much sham i think that was very insightful thank you so much